0: United States Institute of Peace, along with Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124, now present their weekly podcast. yesterday president trump was speaking with reporters he was making his way uh national institutes of health i think is where he was at Worth cdc yesterday anyway when he was doing that he was sitting down with reporters and they were talking about a few things including uh, his evidently he had spoken with the taliban yesterday we've been there will be very very soon it'll be 20 years and i said right from the beginning not easy to get out of these conflicts very complex in terms of all of the people you have to deal with, including, frankly, people in the Senate, people in the House, and a lot of people feel differently about things. But uh, I've been amazed at at how positive the response is to getting out of Afghanistan and to moving on. And and I really had a great conversation with him today. Well, we'll see how that plays out. Let's talk more about the agreement, which has been signed. This is the U.S.-Taliban agreement. Belkis Amadi is joining us. Ms. Amadi is the senior program officer for the United States Institute of Peace has a lot of experience in management positions under USAID programs in Afghanistan. Uh, related to that, she has published extensively on democracy, governments and women's rights in Afghanistan. The Twitter handle is at USIP. Belko Samadi, thank you for joining us on POTUS today. Uh,
1: good morning, Tim. It's good to be with you.
0: Is there any way to. How do you evaluate this agreement? I mean, obviously, the president is using it as to saying that we need to get out of a long standing war that's not going to result in anything uh, more than just the loss of blood and treasure. That's part of his pitch. But is this a step forward or not?
1: Well, um, the U.S. Uh, um, Taliban negotiation for ending the war is a good starting point. So let's begin with that. Uh, The agreement that was signed on Saturday, last Saturday, is or was meant to be the first step towards that goal. And the events unfolding um, right after the signing of the agreement and uh, in the near future will tell us which uh, direction we are going with the agreement.
0: So in this particular case, the president also said he had a a conversation with the Taliban leader, and he had opened up the possibility the other day he's going to be meeting with the Taliban. Is that a good idea at this point or not?
1: Uh, Well, any effort to uh, move the peace process onward is welcomed, but I think uh, those moves should not undermine the legitimacy of uh, our biggest ally in the region, that's Afghanistan, Afghan people, and Afghan government. Um, uh, Let's not forget that uh, we have a lot more in common with Afghan people, civil society, and the government than we do with the Taliban. So any move or any effort to move this process forward um, should very carefully calculate the cost, both um, monetary, materially, and also morally, for the agreement to remain sustained.
0: Let's talk about those costs because clearly the concern is the United States invested two thousand plus deaths, not to mention millions, billions of dollars in this. But the idea is that the people of Afghanistan have something at stake. What are the risks moving forward, and what kind of investment? in terms of capital, in terms of people, does the United States still need to make in that country?
1: Well, if we go back and compare today's Afghanistan with the Afghanistan of uh, uh, late 2001, it's almost as if we are talking about two different countries. A lot has taken place, both because of the international support, more specifically the U.S. support to Afghanistan and Afghan people, but also because of the willingness, sacrifices, and the resilience of Afghan people. Um, if we just talk about uh, improvements and progress in women's rights, uh, it's just phenomenal. And those are the realities that the Taliban cannot turn a blind eye, and they should accept the reality that today's Afghanistan is very different from the country that they ruled uh, for four years, from 1996 to 2001. What needs to be done is, I mean, we all realized that when we went to Afghanistan, we basically started from the scratch. There was no infrastructure. Uh, we had to train thousands and thousands of civil society members, government officials to uh, stand on their feet. And those gains are still fragile. It takes time for any peace to be sustained and lasting. I think Afghanistan, moving forward, will need or will have to rely on international allies and support in order for the peace deal to stick. Uh, Can I just talk about the changes uh, or the progress that has been made, uh, especially in the women's rights front? So in 2001, when uh, uh, the Taliban were ousted, there were no women politicians in the country. Today, they are members of the parliament. They are ministers. They are deputy ministers. They are ambassadors. Uh, there are more than 6,000 women who are uh, serving in the justice and security sector. During the Taliban time, there was none. There are more than 10,000 doctors today. There are, oh, i can, the list can go on and on, 70,000 women teachers. So those are the realities that Taliban will have to accept. And I think international community also has an obligation uh, morally to um, stick with the Afghan people who have sacrificed so much in the past 18, 19 years, not to mention the previous years, uh, altogether it's 41 years that Afghans have been in this violence.
0: Abel Kusumadi is with a senior program officer of the United States Institute of Peace. To that point, you're making, and of course, International Women's Day is March the 8th, so it's an interesting backdrop for this conversation. But to your point, it seems to me one of the entire organizing principles of the Taliban is to not have that recognition of the equality of women. In other words, as you say, it's a reality they can't ignore, but it is a reality, it would seem that they would be wanting to change. They would try to alter that reality somehow. Is that not a danger? Uh,
1: definitely a danger, but I think um, Taliban will should also realize that they are a distinct minority of Afghans, at least for those members of the Taliban who are Afghans. They are um distinct minority, as I said. And then Afghanistan has 35 million population so if they think um, wrongfully that they will uh, go to Afghanistan and rule the country I think that's a mistake that they need to realize now before it gets uh, too late.
0: Will the United States be more secure will the region be more secure as a result of this agreement with the Taliban what's your sense?
1: Well, I think uh, this is a unique situation. This is the first time that we are entering uh, in an agreement with a group that, until uh, recently, was recognized as a terrorist group. Um, so we shall we shall see. It's it's difficult to say if we can trust the Taliban because um, they haven't shown. Uh, they they haven't proved that they have actually changed and they're not the Taliban of the early, uh, late uh, 90s when they uh, hosted and gave shelter to al-Qaeda and other violent extremist groups. So time will tell us if we have made the right decision in in entering into an agreement with the Taliban or not.
0: We appreciate your joining us today to help spell out some of the things we need to know. Belka Samadi. thank you for being on POTUS. Thank you. It's
1: good to be
0: here. Belka Samadhi is Senior Program Officer of the United States Institute of Peace on the now signed U.S. Taliban agreement. What happens next and what should we be watching for? The Twitter handle is at USIP. This podcast has been brought to you by the United States Institute of Peace and Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124.